0: Good morning.
1: Good morning and welcome to episode 59.
0: 59, yeah, which is pretty good going. Yep. Although we did have a bit of a gap because I was ill. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so what's going on today's episode?
1: Uh, so we are interviewing um, Craig Maffey, um, who is the managing director of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival, which is a big international festival for sporting and music in, funnily enough, Bournemouth.
0: Yes, and it was a great chat actually. So, the events industry has been, as with many industries, but the events industry in particular, because obviously we have our smiley booth, photo booth hire company in it, has been hit particularly hard. And effectively, events were stopped from about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons why we wanted to get Craig onto the podcast is because he's been one. He's been uh, he's involved in creating quite large events, but the other thing is that. He's also been very, very active in the events industry about creating groups and being able to uh, raise awareness for events with government and everything to try and get funding and so on. So it was really interesting to hear his thoughts and what... And where he sees the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's it's on several boards and has been campaigning hard on um behalf of the events industry. And he's really, really passionate about events, which which is the case with so many events professionals and events suppliers, um, that it, it's very much kind of a passion driven business. So not only has this pandemic been very hard on our pockets, it's also been very hard on, on mental health, particularly in this industry. So um that's another thing that kind of Craig has a, a great perspective on. So um, I hope you enjoy the episode, and let's get started. Hi Craig, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah,
2: good morning, really nice to see you.
1: <laughs> How is it in, uh, is it, you're, you're in Bournemouth are you? Is it sunny Bournemouth today or not?
2: Uh, 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 yeah, I am, I, uh, I'm, in, I'm in bleak Bournemouth today. How is yeah, it?
1: Uh, yeah, basically... <laughs> yeah it, it's not much better here, so <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: um, So for anybody listening or watching this, so this is Craig and Craig has an enormous amount of experience in the events industry and as we're filming this and uh, recording um, the audio for this, uh, this is January of 2021 and as Craig will probably agree, it's been a pretty terrible 12 months for the (laughs) events industry as it has for many. Um But one of the reasons why we wanted to uh, invite Craig onto the show was because he's been, I'd say, one of the, the lights, if you don't mind me blowing wind up here, here but uh, you've definitely been one of the <coughs> positive. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've been watching you and you've definitely been one of the positive lights in the industry and being very proactive in trying to create change and awareness, uh, whereas... Obviously, many in the industry have, have found themselves in a very fearful state, which is quite reasonable to be, and if anything, just kind of huddled in the corner and hoped it would all blow over. Um, so it's probably, I suppose, what you've kind of demonstrated is all the great tenets of entrepreneurialism, right? That resilience and drive and and optimism. That And it's it's very inspiring to watch. So... Kate's, Kate's literally grabbing my tea Sorry, in he, case.
1: Was, he was literally just about to spill that in his lap.
0: I have an enormous mug of tea in hand. <laughs> um, so, so, great. If, if you don't mind, just for our audience, um, just just giving us some of the, your background, like your experience, how you got into the industry, and um, yeah, we'll start from there. It's probably a good idea.
2: Yeah of course thank you um yeah and thanks as I said very much for having me on it's um really great to just be around people that feel passionate about events and I think for me actually over the last year um the, the real kind of positive in the bleakness I guess has been the the collaboration and the unity and the way in which the industry has come together so I think i've been having conversations with people that I would never have had before uh sharing information sharing experiences uh, and that's been really heartwarming I think because we've everyone's going through this together there's a much used analogy that everyone's in the same same storm but in different boats, but by kind of talking together and um discussing our situation i think it's it's really helped and it's um it's it's really helping people get through to the other side to when we're able to be back delivering events again, so it, we've got fingers crossed for that. Um, in, in terms of my personal journey, I uh, am currently the managing director of Bournemouth Sevens Festival, uh, which is a sport and music festival. That takes place obviously as the name would suggest in Bournemouth, um, and I've been here for ten years now. So I started, or well, just the approaching ten years. So in March 2011, I joined. And I, uh, I went and knocked on the door of Roger and Fleur, who owned the business, and said, "Please can I have a job?" And they were, at that point, I think the festival was three years old, so it launched in 2008, uh, and they they couldn't really afford me. I couldn't really uh, afford to to take a pay cut, but both of us did, and I, uh, I signed on the, the dotted line after a few interviews, and, and and I remember being incredibly nervous in those interviews as well because. I love Bournemouth, I'm really proud to be from this area and uh, and I love events and there wasn't really anything bigger for me so it was an amazing opportunity to get involved and uh, from there I've just kind of worked my way up through the business and uh, I love working in a small business, it's always presented a host of opportunities and Roger and Fleur who I mentioned have been amazing in terms of giving me progression through that business and, uh, yeah i absolutely love it if you if you speak to anyone who knows me well they'll tell you that i'm an absolute events geek um, some people fall into events by accident or through other means some people absolutely love it and i feel very much like i was in the born to do it kind of category and uh, and and that's why that's why the last year i've tried so hard and worked so hard to try and be a voice of change and try and bring people together to to try and force some of that change and recognition. for so the amazing thing is that so many people in the industry do. So, um, and yeah, uh, probably over the last couple of years, just taken on a few more representational roles. So sit on board of National Outdoor Events Association. Um, and in the last few months have set up something called the South Coast Events Forum, which again, is just a, a collaborative piece. It's about bringing people together, share experiences, share expertise, uh, and try and work our way through this situation together. But hopefully on the other side of that situation, uh, be able to work for a better industry. Uh, And I think if we come back as we were before this crisis, this pandemic, then we've failed. Because actually I think there's a whole host of opportunities for us to come back and do what we do better and look after our people better and look after the planet better as well so yeah that's um that, that, that's my background I um yeah as I said I've, I've absolutely loved a career in events and very much looking forward to getting back to it and hopefully we can stop campaigning soon and start actually getting back into the field and, and doing what we do best.
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely I think you really hit the nail on the head there that a lot of people in the events industry it is it is a passion project for people um it's it, it has to be because it, it is really hard you know th- those that kind of look from the outside looking in think that all we do is kind of have parties all the time but they don't realize the kind of blood sweat and tears that go into running an event and managing an event and how stressful it can be so it has to be something that you love Um, and I think that's why it's kind of been so hard for events professionals this year because not only are we obviously facing income challenges and everything else but we're not doing the things that we love Um, and I, I think that's one of the hardest things about it is that we've all suddenly become forced to sit behind desks and, and video schools like this and rather than being out there doing what we, we all love doing.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. I think everyone's kind of got Zoom apathy now. Um, And we've spent so much time in the last year sat behind computer screens and having conversations. And don't get me wrong, that's been great. And the shift into virtual and hybrid events has been a really interesting and impressive one to see as as companies who are so used to delivering live events have have pivoted. Um, And they've done that to keep themselves afloat, which is really, really impressive, to be honest. And uh, I think the resilience of the industry has has really stood out to me this year. So, mm. by nature, we're problem solvers, uh, and I think if any industry was going to be able to find a way out of this situation, it's the events industry. We'll, well, anyone running an event is constantly firefighting, constantly trying to put things out and and find the best way forward. So, we will do that, and I feel really, really confident that we will do that. But um, trying to get through that at that point has been has been really. A really difficult challenge and I think you're right and when you talk about the stress and and that kind of thing I think it was ranked uh, in the top five of uh, the most stressful industries to work in <laughs> a fairly recent study and the other four were all in the emergency services so <laughs> wow. that, that kind of gives an um pressure but um, I, I, I think one of the things that really stands out to me in this is the public don't really know what we do no. and that's kind of the point right mm-hmm. because when you go to an amazing festival you go to a great birthday party you go to a great social event you don't want to see the people that are making it happen you just want it to be a perfect experience so yes. our success is almost in hiding behind the scenes and making things happen and um, that means when we can't do it the public probably don't quite understand the, the amount of work that goes into it uh, so many of my friends say to me right so you put on the festival and your team of your wonderful team of seven Uh, What else do you do? And I'm like, no, actually, it's quite a big undertaking for a team of seven. uh, It's it's quite hard graft for us. Um, So, yeah, that, that public side, I think, is really important. And then also on the other side of that, I don't think government and kind of decision makers and policy makers really have much visibility in terms of what we do. And the important role that it plays, uh, events doesn't have a government representative. We don't speak to any one government department or anything like that. So it's really hard for anyone to go what well, this is the value of what we do. Um, and I know, various people have, have put a figure on that. Uh, business Visits and Events Partnership estimates that it's about £84 billion pounds kind of contribution to the UK economy. But um, that, that's just part of it because events are so much more than that. They're about people, they're about experience, they're about time spent together and things that you never forget. So trying to quantify that is really difficult and... Um, I think we're making some headway, and much more um, vocal people than me are making their way through kind of conversations with government. But um, I think that's a really important part of what happens. And hopefully, post COVID, and post COVID will come, um, there will be a situation where the, the government and decision makers are more appreciative of what it is that we create. I
1: think. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think you're, and I think you just now, uh, you just now that when it came to. That you're not seen in in the business, like if in fact if you are seen in the business, something's normally gone wrong. It's it, the work very much stands um, independent of you when it comes to events. And um, the, the running a business is a roller coaster at the best of times. But running a business, I mean, I had no idea about when you talked about the five percent there, the top five and so no, on. I I mean, that's that's nuts. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because there's we you run in the events industry on a roller coaster anyway and to run a business within the events industry is is doubly challenging because everything is time constrained and everybody's very aware of when you miss those timings and the quality control aspect is so very finite like you, there's no room for error in a lot of cases is there so and there's also the gambling side of events right because you effectively as an entrepreneur are betting on the few, like the next event yeah. uh, whereas if you're selling a widget a product you can you can alter volume very easily and mitigate those issues on a day by day week by week basis but when you have a set of days in a whole year to fill and knock it out of the park that's a massive challenge right
2: yeah it is a massive challenge but it's why we do what we do and i think that's that's that kind of the the pressure is definitely one side of it, but the um working to a deadline working to a huge sense of achievement there's, there's nothing better for for us as a team when we stand on the front door and you see thousands of people streaming into your festival um, over the weekend you deal with issues other than when they arrive you watch people have fun, you watch people. Uh, you you watch people create experiences and memories that they're going to take away with them and then you um, and then you watch them leave at the end and that sense of wow, I created that what yeah. what a great thing our, our team sat there together and we grafted serious hours and we we put blood sweat and tears into this but wow, look at what we created um, and now we've got some time until we do it again. Oh, yeah. uh, that uh, that for me is the the absolute joy of, of events and, and creating yeah. what we do in in that kind of space and um, I, I I really kind of just in, when you were talking one of the things that really stood out to me was that kind of piece around owning a business in the events industry and um, as I said I I work for Bournemouth 7th so um, whilst I kind of look after the day to day it's not my financial risk and that um, is a whole other heap of Pressure on um, on business owners out there, and we've been really fortunate through the situation. We haven't had to um, make make anyone redundant, Um, but we we have um, yeah we we've trimmed down the team a little bit through through kind of other means and and natural people moving on. But um, those big decisions, I feel, for people who have to make them, when you have to balance up the. balance up your business's future, making sure that you survive that and you can survive to go again in the future and create events and experiences in the future. That's that's one side. But on the other side, you've got a team who've been hugely dedicated for you a lo- for a large amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately, there's been so much kind of redundancies and people leaving the industry. Um, that That's a huge amount of pressure. And we... As you said and as we've alluded to, events is risky, right? It's it's a challenging situation. If you can make an event work, you can really make it work for you. But if it's there's so many potential avenues that it would uh would not work. And we all approach these events knowing that. So people who if you want a sound investment and something that's definitely not gonna go wrong, working in events probably isn't for you. <laughs> but if you are prepared to take the risk, it'll it'll come back to you. Absolutely, it'll be great. Um, but we probably didn't see a, a pandemic coming that would strip us of a whole event season. Um, and that's um, that's been a real challenge, I think, not just for event organisers, because I naturally talk as an event organiser, it's what I do every day, but the supply chain as well has just been decimated because they haven't just lost one show, they've lost a year of shows. Yeah. Um, and um, it's so important that we think about them and look after them because when we get to the other side, we can't deliver events without them. Um, and I think that's been a really important
0: part of what we've tried to do. Yeah, and, that, uh, and that's a really in- important point that these these major events uh, or these larger events, local larger events and national events and so on, it, it's not about just the event, right? It's, it's the economical benefits that happen across the board. The number of small businesses that are supported by the fact that that event is happening at all it's huge and, and you're right, as suppliers, I mean, obviously we have um, our photo booth hire companies, Smiley Booth, and we have our franchisees across uh, the UK and into Europe and they've, they've absolutely found themselves in a situation where their diary's just been completely moved by a year and in some cases 18 months or more and, and, and they don't necessarily have the, the safety nets or the buffers. So without these events in place, So yeah, the, one of the things I was very impressed um, with what you had done is raising the profile of local events and so on through the government. Because you're right, the, the government doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily on the radar. It's almost like the government feels like it's a nice to do as opposed to a, 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 an imperative thing to do to support the local economy. And I was involved on, through your South Coast events, so I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to sit in and have uh, and you had a politician on there, basically talking about how yeah we do think it's important and everything else. Whether you a hundred percent believe that he's got the uh, everybody's best interests in mind because he's a politician is another thing. But the fact that you are holding his feet to the fire <laughs> and raising profile is really important because there's not enough people doing that. And I think that's that, that was a really valuable thing that you did there.
2: Yeah, thank you. I mean, just talking on suppliers, our event, and we're a relatively sized festival, um, with sort of 30,000 people over the course of a the weekend. There's much bigger, but a whole host of smaller events as well. And um, But being in that kind of medium-sized festival bracket, we, we employ, um, during the build break and live parts of our festival, about 1,200 people. Um, Glastonbury, for instance, I think, employs 35,000 people cool. uh, across its kind of phases of planning and delivery and um, the the infrastructure the network that sits behind events is vast, it really really is Um, and all of those people are crucial, all of them are critical and all of them are doing valuable work. As I said earlier, some of them have pivoted wonderfully, uh, wonderfully. I know a host that have supported the uh, the effort to, to get through the pandemic created temporary drive-throughs for vaccination centres and uh, and all sorts of things. Security firms, which are providing stewarding now for to, to vaccination centres, there's just there's just a whole host of things. So the events industry, as I said, is is resilient. It's pivoted. It's pivoted well, but no one's doing what they love doing, um, and that's uh, that's ultimately one of the key reasons we do what we do is because we love it. Um, so it's so important that we get back. To that um, in terms of the the South coast events forum absolutely we we wanted to make sure that that was a, a network of people uh, and that's representative of the events industry across the south coast um, we've had an absolute influx in the last few days I think we 're up to about one hundred and seventy five members now um, which is really really positive, having kind of started from nothing but a, a good idea um, and what we wanted to do with that is share experience, share expertise, because that's that's so important in this situation. Um, we want to look at the standards within the industry when we get back, because of course there are good operators, there are bad operators, there are people that uh, give the events industry an amazing name, there are people that challenge that as well, so how can we work with everyone across the board to drive and increase those standards, so that everyone is considered at a Better event and a a safe event and one that puts kind of people at its centre. And then the third piece really is representation. So we wanted to actively sit on boards locally and uh, in groups where we say, okay, so this is where we are. This is we're the events industry. You need us, Um, and we can play an absolutely fundamental role in the recovery from this situation, because when you want to be alive again, when you want to be an active, vibrant community, you're going to want things to happen. And for those things to happen, you're going to need event organisers and you're going to need event suppliers. So don't take us for granted and don't forget us. Um, and we were we were really lucky. I mean, um, like Councillor Broadhead, who attended uh, the, the South Coast Events Forum that you, that you mentioned from BCP Council, is 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 a real advocate for what we do and um, through speaking to him regularly we were able to unlock some funding through um, the discretionary fund which was given to, to local authorities uh, and BCP council have been amazing at that and we managed to make sure a section of that was delivered to the events industry and I think we'll, the, they're one of the first local authorities in the UK to get that stream out at all um, and for events to be in there is really good, but we only achieved that because of conversation. Um, and that was ourselves. Um, there's another group in Bournemouth or um, uh, across the kind of BCP conurbation called Long Table, which is more hospitality, but covers events uh, to a certain degree as well. And they really push for events to be included in that space along with nightclubs and a whole host of other industries that have been let down. So, but by talking and engaging, we've created a, a way in which we can help people through this. The reality is. Those pots of money aren't huge. They're never going to save a business where it might otherwise fail if the situation gets that dire. But they, it all helps. Those pots of money all help. They help you get through another couple of months or whatever. And um, and that's that's been achieved as a result of getting everyone together, banging on the door and saying, have you, th- have you thought about us? Um, so yeah, that for me is the real kind of power of, of working together and working in unity. And as I said, the, the forum is, um, there, there, there's quite a lot of, groups nationally um as i said i'm the vice president of national outdoor events association which is a, a wonderful trade body 40 years old and sits on a whole host of panels nationally um, and there, there's, there's bundles of others um, but the real point of um south coast events forum was it's it's on the south coast so we can talk to politicians locally, we can influence strategy and decision making locally. Um, And that really will then help us get to where we need to get to in terms of local support. And I think people, people want to talk about this situation as well. It's cathartic talking to other people that are in the same situation in the same boat um, or the same store whatever analogy we're using and um, but uh, yeah I, I think that's such an important part of what we're trying to achieve with the forum and uh, it's it's not just me we've got a um, uh, since last meeting we've appointed a, a nine person board and um, everyone's giving their time for free and for, um, for nothing and membership is free as well at the moment so we're really trying to just build a community and um, we've set it up as a community interest company so that it's, it's, not, it's never going to be a profitable ambition. It's about, it's about community and it's about working together.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you think on a national scale, um, the government are starting to take more notice of events and providing that much needed support that was very, very missing at the beginning of the p- pandemic?
2: Yeah, I think so. There was, um, there's was, there been a couple of real wins recently. So the all-party parliamentary group uh, for events has been re-established. So that was a, a group that sat a few years ago, and James Heapy, the MP, used to lead that. Um, and then he moved into a position um, in the defence side of government, um, and it kind of sat dormant for a little while. And uh, and kind of people have been campaigning and pushing for that, and nowhere amongst others has been involved in that. Um, and Theresa Villiers, who's a former front frontbencher, um, really kind of high-profile politician, took that on recently. Oh. Um, and the great thing about an APPG is it fits across government, it's cross-party. Um, so it's not politically motivated as such, uh, and it brings together a whole heap of people and, and stuff. And the great thing about that APPG for events is that that's what it's doing. It's now representing the events industry across the board, uh, talking into central government. And um, We're really campaigning at the moment for um, event insurance to be underwritten by the Treasury. Uh, so they're getting behind that, supporting those messages, because we believe that's a really viable way to get the industry started again. Um, which may mean the government needs to put its hand in its pocket at some point, but doesn't necessarily guarantee it has to in the same way that it would for grants. So um, it would also give kind of complete confidence to the whole event, like system really so from the uh, event organisers all the way through to event suppliers will start receiving some funding which I think is a really nice way to to look at it and um, been really pushing hard for that so yeah I think the formation or the re-establishment of that group has been an absolute positive Uh, and then the other thing is Probably more in uh, specifically in the festival world, um, the DCMS so the Department for um, Digital Culture, Media and Sport has uh, recently convened a committee to look at what's happening in the in the festival industry um, and how we can secure festivals moving forward um, because of the huge value that they play economically but also culturally um, yeah. into the UK. Mm-hmm. And um, Julian Knight, who's the MP that is the chair of that committee, uh, recently penned a letter to Treasury. Uh, an open letter, with signed by about a hundred events professionals, uh, high level events professionals, and suppliers and organisers, um, along with all the members of the committee that said, "Right, we need to look at how we can." Secure this industry for the future, um, and that's still looking at 2021 at the moment. Uh, who knows what's going to happen this year? I think that's one of the the real issues at the moment is there isn't that any certainty even about this year, um, and that that's worrying because um, I think our business, for instance, we were able to. It was really hard work, but we were able to survive one year without a festival. Um, whether you survive two, that's an awful lot of time for. Um, for a business to go with zero income, I mean, we'd effectively be by the time we would then deliver an event in 2022. If we couldn't deliver one this year, then we'd be three years between paydays. So that's, um, that's a really scary situation for the, as I said. The owners of our business who have been putting their own money in to make sure that staff get paid and we can keep doing what we do. Um, and as I said, I'm, I don't think we're there yet. I think well, there's there's still a huge opportunity to save this summer and um, to make sure that, to, particularly to the middle and end of summer, there's um, there's a something of a, a a festival season and people can get back to doing what they do. But the reality is there isn't a whole hope, a whole heap of certainty around that at the moment. So everything is is kind of being planned with a what-if mindset at the moment, which, again, is a difficult one for suppliers because no one really wants to part with deposits and, and stuff like that. To, yeah, to sure yeah, 100%. I mean, that's something we...
0: Down. Yeah, we were talking about that on a on a previous episode in which, um, like, historically, as, as business owners, we've uh, always functioned on the premise of, OK, what outcome are we looking to achieve? And then we work backwards from that outcome, right, in terms of who do we need to get that and what work needs to be required to get that and then you just you plan it out and you step up every day with that desired result in mind right and one of the things that last year has done and certainly as we're at the start of 2021 has done is it's required as business owners for us to rely way more on faith than actual plan like planned out right okay we will hit this because you can't it's a weird mix as a business owner in that you can't entirely bet one way or the other you definitely because you don't want to be in a situation where you're saying okay all right i've not got the confidence that we'll be running in the summer so because of that i'm not going to do anything because woe betide you if you're if summer does happen and you've missed it after missing the whole of last year so there's there's this weird activity (laughs) -activity non-activity thing balance that has to happen um but and i think one of the ways that you can mitigate that is something that you've touched on a couple of times now and that's the collaborative industry aspect so and this this isn't just something that is specific to the events industry whatever industry um that like our audience are in there's many industries that have been impacted by this challenge and by by hearing solutions and pains that have been by your by your competitors and others in the industry helps a lot in terms of your headspace right and in your decision making and that's what i loved about the um the south coast events group that you've got because you've got a wide variety of uh, people within the industry because that's the other unique thing about the events industry is there's so many specialisms within within that and um but they're all sharing the same pain and open to sharing uh, solutions where they've heard something on the grapevine it's like well, have you thought about this? And that's what we all need during this time, right? Just for our own headspace.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that... Uh, so I talk about the events industry a lot. I, I love it. I work in it. But the, the events industry doesn't own this pain. Uh, there's a whole host of other industries that really are struggling through um, travel. Uh, and like even industries that are financially performing well, their staff are under such unprecedented pressure um, that it, no one's enjoying this situation. So even though you hear supermarkets or. Amazon's of this world that are, are seeing un, unparalleled profits of course that's good financially but their staff are operating in horrible situations I can't envisage that anyone is actually going with this we're better out of where we are now than where we were before so um, but whilst I talk about events I think the principles by which we've been operating and by which we've been working together um, they they stand up to anything um, and uh, I, just kind of a couple of other examples I was Really fortunate to apply and, uh, and be successful in joining uh, a peer network program, join, uh, which is run by Dorset Chamber of Commerce, uh, which is a fantastic thing. Uh, and that's been running for the last couple of months, runs for another four. Um, and we sit down once a month for three hours on a Wednesday. Um, and we just talk about what's going on, what our businesses are experiencing, what that looks like. Um, and the businesses are grouped broadly by turnover. Um, but there, are, there's no kind of two people in one group from the same industry. So, the, the, some of the people in my group work in one's kind of worked in dairy production. There's um, creative agencies. There's manufacturers. There's uh, there's a whole host of different people. Um, and there's nothing better than sitting in a room saying, "God, this is really tough," and mm. loads of people going, "Yeah, cool, it is, isn't it?" Um, and saying, "Well, how did you deal with that?" Um, I mean, we're a quite small organisation, there's only um, six of us now in the, in the team on the Bournemouth 7 side thing, um, and um, so we've got we've got that, and we've got that really uh, kind of small team, but then you hear about other teams that are maybe 50 to 100 staff, um, and how they're trying to re-engage staff that are on furlough, are maybe happy. Uh, earning 80% and not working and then trying to get them back into the business uh, and and to feel motivated Uh, or where people have had maybe a host of redundancies, they've got some people left picking up probably the same workload if not a bigger workload than they used to have with uh, an added dose of survival syndrome on top of that. So they feel guilty for being the ones that are left behind. so all of that talking about that with peers is is so so important and um i'd i'd really like encourage anyone that can to to talk to other business owners to talk to other people that are at a similar level to you in the business Um, and share your experiences talk about them because someone else will have been through it um, and maybe together you'll come up with a solution that will kind of get you to the other side so that's one idea of the kind of collaboration and then yesterday I'm an ambassador for for Dorset Minds, which is um, obviously a mental health charity for Dorset, Um, and they've set up a um, a community mental health alliance, which is a group of... All sorts of different charities working in the mental health space, and those charities are in a really tough spot because their services have never been more needed, but they've been unable to fundraise because they haven't had any events this year. So, um, these people are trying so so hard to to make a real difference, and I was really fortunate to sit in the meeting with that yesterday. Um, but again, it's the collaboration, it's the talking, it's the sharing. Um, and it's working together to cut out waste that will save those some of those organisations in the in the long run. And um, yeah, I think for me, that talking um, and I'm a huge advocate of talking and the benefit of of that on your on your mental health. Um, but sharing, uh, collaborating, unity—it's it's such an important piece of um, of what we're all trying to do to get to the other side. I think.
0: Yeah, it's something that um, we all have a responsibility to just push because there's I don't think there's ever been entire, certainly not in my lifetime I can't remember another time where isolation mm-hmm. is 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 being like imposed upon us um at a time when you need people more than ever you need to be actively communicating and protecting your mental like your headspace and because if if you're in a very dark space the biggest opportunity in the world the 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 solution to all your issues could be put in front of you and you won't see it and and not that i'm suggesting that's always going to be there but you've got a way better opportunity to take advantage of things that are going to navigate you out if you're if you're able to accept it and when and it's a strange dynamic that we've all been put in in the last 12 months in terms of okay isolation and fear and separation from humanity right when when fundamentally as human beings we need other people we need to be able to talk share our experiences and and all those things and take take the influence of people like yourself who are going out there and saying right look we need a community we need to come together guys we need to and that's why the work that you do i keep hitting this table by the way the camera keeps shaking (laughs) but um that's why the work that you've been doing and that's why we wanted to get you on the show is so important and I, I really think that more people should do that. If, if you're sat there in an industry at the moment and you're thinking, "Well, there's nothing like that in my biz- in my industry. Nothing like this exists." Well, go make it. Yeah. Go do it. Start start small and start creating that collaborative experience because we all need it and we all res- we all respond very well to it. And um, yeah, it didn't exist. South Coast Events. I think you created South Coast Events. Didn't you you were the you were the founder. So it's not like
2: yeah. So- yeah so it's something um i I' kind of wanted to do for a long time because i felt um I felt like in meetings I was in I was talking about events but with no kind of real background and with with no kind of i don't know I was speaking on behalf of the events industry without having the events industry there and gauging their opinion and stuff like that so mm. it very much often fell down to my personal opinion and um, and i I didn't like that, so I wanted to kind of bring some room some people together and um I kind of had the idea of a forum round about the start of the year. Um, and then we didn't really do anything with it because um, we had to cancel two festivals this year, or postpone one and then cancel another one. And um, and, and everything kind of got pretty uh, pretty hectic. Um, but then um, a couple of friends of mine, um, Tor and Adam, set up a group um, in support of the We Make Events campaign, which was a national campaign um, originally set up by Plaza, which is the sound, lighting, and uh, trade body. Um, And it just, it really caught the imagination of the industry, Um, and they did some amazing things, some live demonstrations, uh, when you could demonstrate, um, some fundraising activities, uh, including a cycle tour all the way around the country that um, I took part in one leg of. Um, And we did a couple of things uh, in support of that across Bournemouth, Um, and in order to do that, we had a WhatsApp group of about 50, 60, 70 people. Um, and then that group became almost like a perfect audience for me to pitch to them. Right, we're going to set up a forum. Like, we're going to we're going to try and formalise this collaborative spirit. Um, and not everyone in the group wanted to be involved because, like, people are sceptical of things like this. Sometimes I think they think they're going to take a load of time and energy to get involved in, and, and what they're going to get out the other side of it. Um, but just through my networks uh, and through my contacts in the industry, and then through the networks and contacts of the people that uh, joined for the first couple of meetings, um, we've just—it's just exploded. Um, and that's been that's been the real success of this. And you're absolutely right; there was nothing there before um, on, a, on a local level. So I was just like, why not? I've got some time. I've got some energy. Um, and I think I'm very much of the mindset, as you alluded to earlier, that if it's really bad for my mental health to not be doing anything productive, I, like that's when I struggle the most. When I'm sat feeling like I'm not really achieving much. So for my own mental health, and it's a bit selfish, I was like, right, I'm going to create something, uh, and I'm going to create this forum where it's going to therefore bring together people. We're going to represent our, our industry, and we're going to shout about it. And Absolutely that that was amazing. Um I mean and uh, so Roger, my boss, he set up a podcast uh during um, during lockdown as well that, that's going really well, um, called The Eventful Entrepreneur. And there are I think there are people like people broadly have fallen into two categories. One is people that are um, as you said right at the beginning, kind of nervous, scared, um, and fearful of what the future would hold, and kind of have packed down a little bit, um, and that's natural. Like there's nothing wrong with that, um, and uh, and protecting your business is is a strategy to get to the other side. But then there are also people who've gone right. I'm gonna prosper and grow through this situation i'm going to take the adversity that there is here um and try and convert that into momentum into something positive um and uh, and i've seen so many people try and do that so many people creating digital content um roger as i mentioned in his podcast and through conversations that he had on his podcast he ended up co-hosting harry redknapp's new podcast which launched a couple of days ago and um i just sit here at my desk like uh, miles away from him going Wow! Like, look at what you've achieved just through having conversations, being positive, and uh, and, and taking a gamble on creating something. And um, that uh, he uh, as a as the owner of our business has always instilled an entrepreneurial spirit in his staff. That's always been really, really important, and I've benefited that from that. And that's what uh, one of the reasons that I've ended up creating the forum because actually I wanted to create something that better gives us an opportunity to get to the other side of that. And then when you give it a nudge, when you just give it that little bit of energy, people are ready and willing to come with you. That's been the most rewarding thing about this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about saying, right, I think this is what we can do. I think we can probably make it work. And then you say it to enough cool people around you, they'll come with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And before you know it, you've got a steering group and you've got 175 members. Um, And that is literally... The piece and it's for me it's all about it's all about mindset it's all about approach it's about um, when it's hard don't hide from the fact that it's hard because this there are points in this pandemic where i have been really not wanting to get out of bed thought this is rubbish i don't want to deal with that today uh, and let those times happen deal with them you'll have your, work, your own kind of Techniques and uh, and ways of managing your own kind of mental health, and if you haven't talked to it, talk to other people about it, see what they're doing. But then, for me, the broad amount of positivity. Um, I actually look at last year, and financially, it was a horror show uh, for our business, and I think cost the business half a million pounds, um, which uh, hasn't come out of my pocket. It's come out of the business owner's pocket. And that's a lot of money. Like by anyone's stretch to the imagination, that's a lot of money. And that was originally depleting business reserves. And then it's effectively been them saying, we're going to keep investing in you as our team to make this happen. So huge amount of respect for them. Um, but everything else we achieved last year is positive. We created those new businesses, we built a podcast studio in our office, Um, we, in the last three months, uh, I've built that forum and then created a team to take that forum into the next place. Um, So even in the most adverse situation, I look back at 2020 with, well, at least we got something out of that, at least we achieved some things and we are in a better place now in 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 a host of ways than we probably were at the start. Um, so I would really encourage anyone that's listening, whatever industry you work in, where, wherever you are, to go. Do you know what? What can I do to make change in this situation? Um, how can I? How can I work? Who do I know? Who do I know that will come with me? Who sat at home, maybe not doing very much? Who maybe needs a project like? We talked about it already, isolation is so difficult, but actually it's a little bit easier if you're doing something and if you're working to a productive aim. So who are those people and how can you kind of work to do that? And If people are at home, sat on furlough, there's nothing to stop you uh, in the law or in anything from from creating something, something like this that, that, that really kind of sets up something that will be a long-term benefit for, for you and, and the industry that you work in
1: yeah that's that's what we've found i mean we've we've talked on a, on a number of our podcast episodes about finding the silver lining in the things that have been happening over over the last kind of 10 12 months but um i want to kind of um speak about the the Dorset mind um piece a little bit more so um you're an ambassador for that company um or that charity sorry i should say um is there anything else that Mind are kind of um, providing or championing or just campaigning to help people with their mental health, especially business owners, because I think that that is particularly hard um when not only are you dealing with health issues isolation family and all these other things but then you've got the kind of monetary piece and the looking after your staff if you've got staff and all these extra pressures is is there anything that mind is is providing for people with that or is there helplines people can call that kind of thing
2: yeah, of course. So, uh, so the charity uh, I'm involved with is Dorset Mind. Um, mind is obviously the national charity that everyone's heard of. Um, they have a network of something 170 odd um, local and, and regional minds, I think, um, that focus predominantly on specific areas and stuff like that. And they're independent charities in their own right. So whilst they use the mind name and get some central funding, they also have to fundraise themselves. So, um, and Dorset's Mind is is a phenomenal example of that. Um, a really, really Really great charity run by wonderful people, um, and the success that they're having, in my opinion, is because of the great people that, that work there and um, and the and leading forwards. Really. So, as I said earlier, they they haven't raised a huge amount of money this year, um, but they they their services are more needed than they've ever been. Um, I set a caveat that fundraising piece actually because a, a guy called Ty uh, Temel and uh, Ben Reynolds and a guy called Jamie as well um, I think raised something like 80 grand through a series of um, personal challenges personal physical challenges over the course of the last year which is a, like just a phenomenal amount of money that's making a huge difference to that charity so yeah. um, again some, one thing that's been brilliant during this is entrepreneurs changing their if their business can't work and can't operate and tie and then our uh, nightclub owners um, amongst other things they, uh, they haven't therefore been able to operate so they've put their energy into fundraising for Dorset Mind which has been like an absolutely phenomenal thing to see. Um, But I mean the charity uh, advocates general mental health so there are some great systems out there if you're at crisis point or um, if you really need to talk and um, so Samaritans is probably the most famous of those. There's a great service uh, I think called Shout which is a text-based service so you can if you're feeling unwell or your mental health is at risk, you can text them and they'll text you back, um, and it's a person on the other end of the phone. And actually, sometimes that's a little bit easier than than picking up the uh, picking up the phone and having a conversation. Sure. So um there's some amazing things there uh dorset mind uh focuses on training on outreach they're soon to launch a counseling service and um, at the moment uh, i'm working uh, as part of the ambassador team on move your mind uh, which is a campaign through january all about the benefits of physical activity on your mental health uh, and i i could not be a bigger believer in that I've spoken uh, about this historically in the past but I had a really tough time uh, as I was kind of going through my 20s dealing with my sexuality and um, and I hit a kind of a really rubbish point uh, about three years ago um, where I was at home and I was lying on one's bed and I was crying and I was just like I just don't know where my mind's at um, and two things got me through that and the first one was going to see a, a talk therapist um, a counsellor Um, and talking through my situation and my understanding and all of that kind of thing Um, and the second thing for me was cycling and getting my bike out of the shed and and going for a ride Um, and physical activity for me was a huge huge positive my mental health was never terrible Um, and um, but I I was in a rough spot um, and I needed those things to kind of get me through it Mm -hmm. Uh, so real advocates of that and the move your mind campaign is all around um, the, the benefit that 30 minutes of physical activity a day or however much you can find and do. Um, and fortunately, in this lockdown that we're in currently, you can, you can still exercise. So use that time, make sure you do. Um, the, there is something that really stands out to me so often when I um, talk to people about mental health is that the best things for your mental health are free. So it's exercise, it's fresh air, it's good sleep, it's eating. Like the, the the things that people sometimes think they need to do, counselling or whatever. Absolutely, they all have their place. But you can make real kind of positive steps to change your. Um, change your situation that your mind is in by by doing those things, um, and Dorset Mind are shouting about them. and really, really proud to be an ambassador for that charity. They're, they're, they're making a huge difference locally. Um, we're working on a project in the background at the moment around men's mental health. Um, obviously, there's facts and data around the um, the impact, but the, this this COVID situation is having on uh, on mental health generally, but also um, on people. Uh, people, it's a it's a topic that is is everywhere, isn't it? it it's really kind of common. It's really uh, it's really out there, and it, the stigmas around it are being reduced, which I think is massively important. But yes. I think there's a long way to go on that journey as well, still, to the point where people are sat and happy to have a conversation about it, um, and it's not looked at in, in the way that it is. So. Yeah, really, really, really proud of everything that, that that charity is doing, and it's an absolute treat and pleasure to be to be asked to join me.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I th- that physiological aspect. Uh, we were funny enough talking about that on an episode yesterday, weren't yeah. we? About how um, there's a there's a there's a there's a, ma- there's a massive link between what you're doing physiologically and and what you're thinking, mm-hmm. and and sometimes by just changing your physio- physiological state. It can entirely change how you view things, and that almost can be immediate, right? It's it's almost to the point of getting out on your bike or whatever it is, or going out for a run, or just getting up, moving around, can have a hugely positive effect on what you how you see things, and it's not spoken enough about. I think we live in such a a world of kind of. It's okay to be sat around all day. It's okay to be consuming media on your phone or TV or whatever all day. It's no, it's not a problem. It's a huge problem. You have to incorporate that that physical exercise, movement in your life on a daily basis if you want any hope of optimism and productivity and just moving, your, moving the needle right, moving your life forward.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think um, I think that's probably the reason that I think anecdotally. People are finding lockdown three harder than lockdown one. Yes. Um, obviously, where there's kind of everyone's a bit tired of it. It's been running on for a long time and, and stuff like that. But also, I think we were blessed almost during the first lockdown that the weather was lovely.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so, popping outside for a walk, or going to the beach, or going to the forest, or just walking around your local area, or, or whatever those things were, um, they were absolutely. Um, it was it was a huge time of uncertainty, but at least the weather was okay, uh, mm. and that's such a British thing to say, I think, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. But the by the time we've made it to this third one, it's a bit grim out. No one really wants to go and get wet and cold, so therefore you sit at home. Maybe as you said, you get on your your Instagram or your Facebook. You sit there mindlessly scrolling, yeah. uh, comparing your life to everyone else's life that's out there, and um, all the negative impacts that that has on on your your state of mind. And seeing people it, like living a perfect life, even in this situation, you're like, I'm sat here in my like jogging bottoms and a hoodie, stuffing my face, feeling rubbish about life. How are you doing it? <laughs> and i have some friends who live in new zealand who are living a normal life which is bizarre um but uh yeah like for, for the rest of us and um, it's so important you try and do find those things that will make you feel a little bit better so um if you're working at home all day like in the middle of the day get up go for a walk just walk around the block um even stop like sitting down um Rather than have a voice call, uh, like a video call, can you just have a voice call and walk around while you're on the phone because movement is good for you? Uh, There's so many kind of little tips and techniques out there and so many great charities that are doing and talking about those things. The information is out there. You just need to unlock it. Um, And uh, like a charity that uh, I know in the events industry is called Eventwell. Um, and it's run by a, a wonderful lady called Helen Moon. Um, and Eventwell is brilliant because it, it's, uh, it recognizes the pressures of the events industry and then does a whole host of things to kind of try and counter counteract those and advocate talking and, 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 and so forth. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of resource out there. It's just maybe trying to find in you that when you're scrolling, rather than scrolling through Facebook and seeing cat pictures, can you find a few techniques and tips that will maybe get you to to a better space yeah yeah
1: event well i've not heard of that one I'll, i will i'll have a look at that hmm. one so um earlier on in the in the podcast uh you mentioned how um people have been pivoting um a lot of event businesses offering virtual services and you mentioned the term hybrid do you see um in the future of almost sevens any kind of virtual element or hybrid as as the world kind of comes back because i know you're aiming for may at the moment as as the next festival is that right
2: Yes, I will. Um... Our working assumption at the moment is May. Um, since last year, we've been planning a contingency date later in the summer, as we actually did last year. Um, so, we uh, event planners, by very nature, are contingency operators always. So, um, and we're just watching at the moment, waiting to see how the situation unfolds. And um, we, we're having some conversations in the background, and we'll make the right decision at the right time, uh, as Lee alluded to earlier. The last thing you want to do. Is, uh, be able to happen and have made the decision not to um, or uh, and, and that kind of thing so we're just making sure that we make that decision at the right time and can, can communicate it correctly to our audience and to our suppliers and uh, and stuff like that so um, and that, that's our plans for this year and um, we, we've been really really fortunate about 80% of those who bought tickets last year retained them so they rolled them over and um, so we're really looking forward to that. when we start selling and promoting again being able to add some additional people back into that, that mix which I think is really really great um, in terms of hybrid events um, as I, I, like I said, I've been hugely impressed by, by pivoting um, and the number of businesses that do it. I personally can't wait to get back to live events uh, and to get away from screens. Um, I think the world will probably change uh, on the other side of COVID. Um, I think the days of probably driving four hours for a one-hour meeting and then driving back uh, are, are long gone, and and, uh, and I think that's probably a positive thing. Um, I think uh, event organisers and event owners will be able to broadcast their content in ways to people that aren't there. Um, so I really do see some kind of hybrid opportunities in and around conferences, conventions, exhibitions. Um whether that will ever be the thing uh, a real kind of situation for festivals and stuff i'm not sure um, the biggest festivals out there are obviously on tv anyway so um, and, and we we've seen historically that people will sit at home and, and watch that content and um, so the opportunity is there and that may be developed but for me first and foremost i want to get people back into the field i want to see people walking through those gates having a great time while they're there um not worrying hopefully at some point not socially distancing um people people are tribal we need to be with other people we need to spend time we miss hugging our friends and our family and once you've had a beer or two probably hugging absolute strangers that's we miss all of that um that, that that's that is that is real it really really is so um the sooner we can get back to that the better um i think the event industry is like, well, the UK events industry is genuinely a world leading industry. We are right at the pinnacle of how to deliver events, how to deliver them safely. Um, and the vast majority of event organizers out there are super conscientious and they will only get back to delivering events when it's safe and right to do so. And they'll make sure that there's mechanisms in place for those events to be safe and secure for everyone that's attending. So um, I think that's a a really important piece for people to be aware of and to be mindful of. Um, But um, when we can, and when those restrictions are lifted and we'll follow the advice, we always do, Um, then we'll be in a really, really good spot to go, okay, right, we can really help country emerge from this horrible situation that we've been through everyone's going to want to party <laughs> like, mm. people that don't even like partying are going to want to see other people they're going to want to share in their experiences and that's partying either in the literal sense towards the festival kind of shiny glossy like light, lights going off everywhere but it, it's really it's about going back to sharing experiences with other people, whatever your interests. So be that art, culture, music, classical music, live music, pop music, rock music, who knows? Um, and actually the event industry services, all of those. Um, cafe, the exhibition, like there's so much that we do and so much that we create. Um, and it's we just can't wait to have people rolling back through the doors at, at when the time is right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to those days. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Very much. Well thank you again for coming on and um, really wish you luck with Bournemouth uh, Sevens and obviously we've all got our fingers crossed that the the world kind of returns to some sort of mal- normality this year and um, you paint a very lovely picture of, of the <laughs> the world returning and everybody hugging each other which is what we're all looking forward to I think.
0: <laughs> yeah I think we all need it, I think we're done with this with this period of time yeah. and we'll be looking at we'll be talking about this for years to come but yes. um yeah thank you again it's been great hearing your experiences and your aspirations and I think the mindset piece and the collaborative part is the work that you're doing there is invaluable and and more people the more people that can do that kind of stuff the more we can kind of all lift ourselves like and others through this strange period mm-hmm. so yeah thank you again
2: yeah, thank you. No, our uh, our best chance of getting through this is getting through it together. I think so. Uh, thank you both so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you both. Thank thank
1: You're very thank you. welcome. <laughs>